We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sam Monk, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Well, it's great to be in Dunedin. God's doing something in the South Island right now. Yeah, I love uh, what I'm hearing just from Equipage Churches in the South Island, from Nelson to Christchurch. We've got a gathering, a group meeting in Westport over there. And that church is, you know, just going from strength to strength. In fact, I heard recently that they had over 40 people meeting on a Wednesday night in Westport. Yeah, people do live in Westport and uh, there are some people gathering there and, you know, stuff's happening here in Dunedin and in, uh, in about a month's time, we're, or a bit over a month, six weeks' time, uh, we're launching officially in Timaru. <laughs> and, uh, you know, already there's a church there. And um, last week, Pastor Dave Whitaker, who was part of this church here, uh, told me that uh, they broke through the 100 mark for the first time ever. Had 102 people. In church. Can we give God a clap of praise for what's happening there? Come on. Samaru, God's, and we're going to be up up there for, for stronger. And so all the men, if you're standing next to, uh, uh, or sitting next to a man, give them a dead arm right now. Slap them in the face. Uh, uh, you got permission to do whatever and say, you need to get stronger. You need to get stronger. And uh, come and join us there. It's going to be an incredible time. In fact, I like what the prophet Joel said. He said, we need to wake up the mighty men. There's too many men that are asleep. And men like their sleep. And we need to wake up the mighty men in Jesus' Name. And uh, we've got so many incredible uh, people, you know, who are part of, of this movement uh, worldwide. What God's doing right now in Europe, I shared this morning, is, is just incredible. And, uh, you know, here in New Zealand, in fact, in the next uh, 18 months or so, we have over 20 locations in New Zealand. Uh, how many believe we could see this nation one for Jesus? And uh, I figure, hey, uh, we're up in Auckland. We reach as many people as we can. You do. You reach as many people as you can. And then maybe we meet in Wellington sometime and, uh, and the whole nation will be one to Jesus. Amen. In fact, just a testimony. Uh, we had an uprising event in Auckland uh, this Friday. And uh, we had 967 young people out. And uh, with 254 uh, young people making decisions to follow Jesus. How many reckon that's a revival? 254 people making a commitment to follow Jesus. And I love what God's doing in the young and the old and how He's raising them up all together to say, hey, come on, let's see our world one for Jesus in this lifetime. Well, you know, one thing that amazes me is when you go to Europe is how many different languages they speak. Uh, I always get blown away because I only speak one language and I don't do it that well. <laughs> you know, I'm struggling with one language, but I get amazed at our, our pastors and leaders up in Europe who can speak four to five different languages. And uh, what takes it to another level, I look at our pastor in Switzerland, uh, Dan Zeltner, some of you know, he speaks four different languages, but he communicates to his wife in his second language. 
Now, if you thought marriage was hard communicating in your mother tongue, you know, imagine communicating. He's, he's Swiss German, and so his mother tongue is Swiss German. And, uh, and he didn't learn English till he was in his 20s. In fact, I met him as an 18-year-old, and he just used to smile and nod. And he used to pretend he understood, but you knew nothing was going in. And he learned English in his in his twenties. And in fact, you know, his wife is Romanian, and she speaks Romanian. And uh, I think English is his second language, and English is is Dan's third language. And so, so for them to communicate, they can't speak in their mother tongue. They've got to speak in their their third and second languages. And uh, what makes me laugh is, is sometimes they communicate to one another and you go, you can't say that. <laughs> you can't say that to one another. But somehow they've got this understanding <laughs> that goes beyond the language. And it just, it just amazes me, you know, in terms of how they can communicate in different languages. And then I think of Jürgen, who pastors our church in Berlin. He married a Danish lady, and so his mother tongue is German. She speaks Danish. And I get amazed because Jürgen can not only speak many different languages, but he can preach in three different languages. And some of you are going, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, uh, when you speak a language, you know, how many speak another language here? Yeah. How many have ever travelled? Not many. Uh, how many have ever travelled to a place where they speak another language? Yeah. And when you go in there, often what you do is you go, oh, well, I need enough words to get by, to be able to say thank you. How many know that's important? To, be, uh, to ask where the bathroom is. Yeah. Yeah, you can give some signals, but uh, uh, um, you know you need to know some stuff. So, so you learn enough words to get by, but you you don't really speak the language. Now, now there's many people who can speak the language, but they're not fluent in the language. Uh, they can speak it, but they're still translating from their mother tongue. So, so, so they're speaking the the language, but they're thinking in the language in, in their mother tongue. And they're translating as they go. Now, when it comes to preaching, why the, why the big deal of preaching in many different languages is, is you don't have time to translate. You, you've got to think in the language that you're speaking. Now, do you know right now, the problem in the church is we're, we've got many people who know the promises of God, who can speak the promises of God. But the problem is they're still translating from the world. And they're wondering why they're not getting the results they desire. See, if we're to see transformation in our world, we can't just speak the language of the kingdom. We've got to think according to how the kingdom operates. And and there has to come an adjustment. See, See, if you still think the same way you thought before you got saved, you're not going to see the reality of heaven here on earth. See, something's got to shift in the way you think. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, he said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be, anybody know, be, come on, say, let's say that out loud, be transformed by the renewing, not the removal, but the renewing of your mind. So, so how do we see transformation? Uh, we see it through the adjustment in our thinking. 
And too many of us right now, we're looking at our situations and our circumstances through, through the lens of the world rather than the lens of the kingdom. But if we could adjust our thinking and align it with kingdom thoughts, how many believe would see God move? See, I'm really believing for households to get saved. I shared this morning that in, in an 18-month period, 26 of my own family members gave their heart to Jesus. You know, right now, we're beginning to see households come into the Kingdom of God. How many have got family members right now who don't know Jesus? Come on, how many want to see them, have them in eternity with them? You know, come on, we've got to do everything that we can to see God's Kingdom established in the hearts and lives of people here on earth. Because how many know what you do here on earth determines how you spend eternity? And we want to be a church that says, hell no. It's like, hell no. Because hell is not designed for any person. We want to say, we want to say, we want to see heaven populated, as Reinhard Bonnke would say. And we want to plunder hell. Populate heaven, plunder hell. And that's our mission as believers. See, I grew up in church. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was three years old. Didn't really know what I was doing, but I prayed the prayer, apparently. You know, I didn't backslide when I was six. Yeah, I might have done a few things wrong, but I don't know. Yeah, but at the age of nine, I had an encounter with God. Such an encounter with God, I still remember it vividly today. Encounter with God, I woke up in the morning. I don't know what I'd been doing the night before, but, but I knew I needed a Saviour. I, I knew I needed somebody to come into my heart and into my life. And I walked downstairs and my father, he'd pray at six o'clock in the morning, every morning. So I knew where he was. And I went downstairs and he prayed for me and the presence of God came and filled my life. And I thank God for doing that to me, you know, having that encounter at the age of nine. Because during my teenage years, I didn't backslide. In fact, you know, his power and his presence kept me. In fact, I often say I've got an amazing testimony of God's goodness. How many know God saved me from drugs? I didn't need to do drugs to be saved from drugs. God saved me from meaningless relationships. I didn't have to have a whole lot of meaningless relationships to be saved from that. And I thank God for His grace on my life that He held me during my teenage years. But at the age of 18, I said, God, I, I want to see you. You know, I, I see you in power. I don't want to just have a belief about God. If the words that I read in the Bible are true, I want to experience them and I want to see them outworked in my lifetime. See, too many believers right now, they sit in church and they have a belief about God. They believe that God heals, but they've never experienced God's healing power. They have a belief that God can save and wants to save their friends, but they aren't seeing their friends saved. And I said, God, I don't want to just have a belief. I want to experience You. I, I want to know Your Word living in my life. I, I want the Word to become flesh in my world. You know, when Jesus came to this earth, the Word became flesh and moved into the neighbourhood. 
And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can see the Word become flesh in our everyday settings. But for that to happen, we can't just lock our Christianity up into an ideology or a philosophy or a belief system. We've got to take it beyond that to a place where we demand an experience. So at the age of 18, you know, I gathered a few friends just on a Friday night and said, hey, the early church was born out of a prayer meeting. Why don't we just pray? And let's, let's believe together that we can experience God. Because after all, if you bring people into the presence of God, the Bible says there's fullness of joy. There's fullness of joy and life forevermore in His presence. There's liberty in His presence. Come on, how many want to live a free life? In God's presence, you find the answers you need. And we began to pray and God began to show up and we saw a lot of our friends saved. We saw people healed. In fact, that group just on a Friday night, it was at a time where youth didn't meet on a Friday night. They went to the movies. Uh, we saw people coming in and God transforming their life. That's how I know that, that what's in the Bible is true because I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've seen God at work. And we need to be a generation that, that believes in the power of God. Come on, you haven't come out on a Sunday night for just a motivational message. Come on, I pray you've come out to experience God and His power. And I don't know about you, but here's the deal. I've been messed up for good. I, can't, I couldn't backslide and be happy. Uh, in fact, one time I was in a meeting and and uh, it was an anointed worship moment. I could sense the presence of God. And what I got was a picture of a dog that we owned growing up. It was a big, fat, fluffy dog. Uh, it had an appetite like no other dog I've seen, which was always good if you didn't like was, uh, what was presented to you at dinner time. Because you could guarantee that dog would be under the table and you could slip those Brussels sprouts underneath and there'll be somebody there. There'll be that dog there. Not somebody, the dog <laughs> would be there to, to eat them up. And so, you know, it was always convenient for that. But, you know, wherever food was, the dog was there. And often this dog would overeat and it would overeat to a place where it would throw up. So in this, uh, the middle of that, this incredible worship moment, you know, anointed, um, Holy Spirit moving, I see a picture of, uh, of my dog that we had growing up, throwing up, uh, but not just throwing up, going back to its vomit and licking it up. How many have seen that before? You know, a cat or a dog, you know, not just throw up, but go back and lick it up. And uh, right in this anointed moment, I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, there's a verse in the Bible for it. And, and so quickly I went to my Bible, went to the back, there was a little concordance there and I looked up the word vomit. And I found a, a verse there, it's found in 2 Peter chapter 2. And, and listen to what it says in 2 Peter chapter 2. This is a powerful verse. It says that they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. You know, I don't know about you, but I just want to, I don't want to just talk about freedom. I, I, I want to live free. I, I don't want to sell stuff that I haven't experienced. 
You know, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption for you are slave to whatever controls you. Here's the deal. If you engage in sin, you become sin slave. And in fact, sin simply is to act against God's design. It's to act, it's an act against design. It's, it's, it's to t- take what God's design and, 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 and use it for a different purpose. How many know, many people are, are living with an identity crisis today? In fact, one, one instrument that's had an identity crisis is the wooden spoon. How many got the wooden spoon growing up? You didn't use the wooden spoon, but you got the wooden spoon. Now, 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 now the wooden spoon, the, the, the design of the wooden spoon was, was you'd use a wooden spoon so it wouldn't transfer heat from the pot to your hand. That's why it was designed, so there wouldn't be a transference of heat. But how many know the wooden spoon in a lot of places brought a whole lot of heat? Because it was confused. It did not. Do you know there's a whole lot of people who are confused and they engage with sin? And, 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 there's, and, there's a mis- and they find themselves in places where they're slaves to, to that sin. They think it's harmless. They think, no, but they can't stop doing it, even though they want to stop doing it. It says they're slaves to sin. But the good news is that Jesus can free you tonight. And listen to this. And it says, and when people escape from the wickedness of this world by knowing our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, so that's good news. You can escape from that. You can get free from it. But it goes on and it says, and then get tangled up and slaved by sin again. They are worse off than they were before. So, so it's not like, hey, I get saved. You know, I get free from past life. And then I dabble with the past life and I'll go back to where I was. No, no, if, if, if you get saved and you engage with your past life, you end up in a place where you're worse off than you were before. That's why, you know, you gotta understand, you can't backslide and be happy. Because now you have somebody, namely Jesus, <laughs> through the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you and you've been messed up for good. It goes on and it says, it would be better if they'd never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command that they're given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this prophet, a proverb. Here it is. A dog returns to its vomit and a wash pig returns to the mud. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's no going back. There's no going back. So, so if this deal is real, if what you've experienced in your heart is real, how many know there's only one way? And that's forward. It's not like I'm just gonna dip my toe in and dip it out. I'm not gonna play the hokey tokey. You know, it's not hand in, hand out, foot in, foot out. No, I'm, I'm all in. And, and I wanna say, if you wanna live in God's purpose and promise, it requires you to be all in. Uh, the best way to stuff up your life, the best way to be disillusioned as a Christian is just to be half-hearted in your faith. D- d- dip in, dip out. 
you know, try, but, but never come to a place of complete surrender. See, see right now, there's, there's an enemy out there and he wants to destroy your life. He, he wants to kill you. He, he's out for you. And he wants to stop you living in his promise. And he'll do everything in his power to try and intimidate you from living in the fullness of God's promise. I, I quickly tonight wanna share about breaking the spirit of intimidation. Because the reason why some of us aren't going full on is simply because we're intimidated. And we don't even know that we're intimidated. When it comes to stepping out in faith, it's like we, we know it in here, but we hesitate or, or we delay or, 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 or we partially obey. But, but God's looking for a people who will hear His Word and who will stand on His promise and say, God, if you've said it, it will come to pass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but your Word stands forever. Come on, how many believe that tonight? See, we need to understand that there's spirits that are working against us. You know, years ago, I did a paper round. And um, on my paper round, uh, I, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, I used to do it early in the morning, get up at quarter to six every morning, six mornings a week uh, to deliver newspapers. And anybody uh, had a paper, who had a paper round? Yeah, a few people, a few of us older people had a paper round. I don't think they do that any longer because of health and safety. Health and safety, man. It's like, anyway, I, I encountered many things on this paper round. In fact, one, one time I, uh, I encountered, there was a flasher. Ah! I was like, oh, yeah, it was like, hell no. It was, uh, it was like, I see, ah, get lost in Jesus' name. He took off and... Uh, Anyway, there's another story to that. But, but, but anyway, one thing I hated uh, encountering on, on the paper round in the dark of the morning was dogs. Uh, dogs coming at you from nowhere. In fact, I, I had a friend who advised me there's two ways with dealing with dogs. He said, well, the first way that you can deal with a dog is just, just lie down, remain completely still, do nothing. Uh, let the dog come up to you, sniff you, you know, and if you remain completely still, it should just go away. Even better, he should just lie down. <laughs> you know, how many reckon that's a good way of dealing with a ferocious dog? No, I'm going, no, I'm not into that. Yeah, you know, one thing you don't want to do if a dog comes at you is you don't want to run. You don't want to run in fear because they smell fear. They'll come after you and they'll hunt you down. <laughs> uh, they will get you. The other way, he said, the other way to deal with a dog is to show no fear and to look the dog in the eyes and just just yell at the top of your voice. And uh, it's like, uh, you know, trying to intimidate it. And, and so anyway, there was a dress I, I hated uh, riding my bike past because, you know, there, there was a dog there that sounded very ferocious. And so instead of um, going past that address, what I used to do is I'd, I'd cross over to the other side of the road when I come quite close to it, cross on the other side, uh, walk on the other side of the road and then cross back over so I'd have missed miss that address. Because what was I? I was intimidated by the sound of that dog. And what I did is I, I adjusted my behaviour to accommodate the, that, that, that dog's sound in my life. 
See, how, how do you know whether you're intimidated or not? You adjust your behaviour and, and you accommodate stuff that you shouldn't. How, how many know it's my right just to walk down that one side of the street? In fact, my paper round took longer because I was adjusting my behaviour. I, I had to cross over, walk on the other side and then cross back over. You know, some of us right now, you know, we're being unproductive simply because we're living in a space where we're coming under the sound of intimidation. See, there, there was one morning where I thought, man, I've had enough of this. My paper round's taking longer. I'm gonna confront this thing. And I thought, I'm gonna take the advice of my friend. And so early in the morning, yeah, I decided I'm just gonna walk down that side of the street. So I walked down that side of the street. And sure enough, the, this dog started barking. And it, it sounded like a mean dog, sounded like a big dog. And so I, I just at six o'clock in the morning just started yelling at the top of my voice. <laughs> and, and what surprised me was out of the shadows came this little dog. <laughs> you know, and all this time I'd been freaked out by the sound of this dog, but it was only a small thing. Could it be right now, the, the thing that you're afraid of, the, the thing that you're adjusting your behaviour for is not that big. See, the enemy would try and make it sound big. You know, it's like when it comes to faith, you know, many people, oh, I don't know if I could do that. You know, so often when it comes to faith, Kathy and I ask ourselves the question. We say, what's the worst that could happen? Really, really, what's the worst that could happen? You know, oh, we could lose a little bit of pride. How many know that's a good thing to lose? You know, people could laugh at it. Wow, they're just people. Oh, we could lose thousands of dollars. You know, in fact, we've stepped out in ventures of faith and, and there's a lot of dollars at risk, sometimes, you know, six figures. But how many know it's just money? But so often, oh, you could lose that. But we, we could earn it back. Uh, I want to ask you the question, what would you do if you had no fear? What would you launch out in? You know, if fear didn't control your life. See, if the truth be known, a lot of us, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but we're still living under the sound of fear. We're living under the spirit of intimidation and we need to break the power of it if we're to live in the fullness of what God has for our life. Come on, how many want to break the spirit of intimidation? Come on, it's time to deal with the dog. It's time to deal with the dog. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to deal with the dog. You got to deal with the dog. There's three dogs quickly tonight that you need to deal with. There's three dogs and through which the spirit of intimidation operates. Number one, the first dog that you need to deal with. You ready for this? First dog, come on, how many want to deal with the dog? I need you alive and well, come on. If you want to deal with the dog, you've got to get a bit louder than you currently are. Come on, come on. Some of us need to look into the eyes of this dog this, morning, this evening and say, you're not going to defeat me any longer. Here's the, the first dog that we need to deal with, number one, is the dog of past failure. Is the dog of past failure. See, every time you try and step out and believe to do something new, I guarantee this dog will start barking. Uh, it'll bark in your ear and say, well, what makes you think it's gonna be different from last time? 
Remember how you failed back then? Remember that feeling of failure? Remember that disappointment? What what makes you think God's gonna come through this time? Yeah, and for you, after all, you did that. You're not that person. See, See, this dog comes against us continuously and it brings up our past. You know, I went to school, as most of us have, <laughs> you know, have been, been to school. But, you know, school, well, the studying side wasn't a focus. In fact, uh, I mainly went to school to eat my lunch and play sport. You know, that was the thing. Cruised through, got B marks and, you know, got into university, happy with that. Went through my first year of university. And I mean, no, that's just a, a repeat of seventh form or year 13. And so, so, hey, I was able to get through that. And I thought, hey, I, I really need to try because I'm just an average student just an average student. And I, I thought, oh, man, I need to apply myself. So I thought, come on, it's time to get an A. An A. Now, an A back in our day was the mark you wanted. Today, A means achieved. <laughs> it's not a mark you wanted. A e back in our day, just to clarify, was a mark you didn't want. But a mark today, E means excellence. Uh, it didn't mean that in our day. Anyway, uh, so I thought, man, I really want an A. I'm going to go after an excellence. And uh, I applied myself, studied. Anyway, end of the semester, I got an E. Uh, and that wasn't for excellence. <laughs> uh, I, I failed a whole semester. Now, I, I knew that God had called me to do the degree I was enrolled in. I, I, I knew it. How many know when God calls you to do something, He doesn't change His mind halfway through it? You know, if, if you're starting, you need to complete it. Now, but the temptation at that time was just to bail out because after all, a few of my friends failed. And they go, oh, we're out of here. We're not doing this. Now, now just the thought of having to go back and repeat a whole lot of courses. How many know that's not exciting? And in fact, in a lot of ways, it's intimidating. And I had to go back and re-enroll in the courses that I failed. I had to show up and, you know, guys saying, well, where were you last semester? Well, I was, uh, I was here. <laughs> Dad, do you know, I learnt more in that six months of having to face failure than I did in the rest of my degree. Because how many know there's going to be times where we're going to fail? It's even in the Bible. The Bible says in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are what they're ordered by the Lord. Now, now many of us think, oh, that's good. God's going to order our success. But it goes on. The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And he says, though he fall. There's going to be times in your life where you fall. And failure isn't a bad thing because after all, failure is a vent, not a person. And it says, though he fall, he will not utterly be cast down. So you may be cast down, but you will not utterly be cast down because God will uphold you in His hands. See, some of you have failed, but you have taken on failure as part of your identity. And it stopped you reaching out in faith. In fact, right now, you've scaled back your dream to, to avoid failure, to avoid disappointment. 
And, and this voice of intimidation comes in your head and say, don't ever live in that space again. Come on, really, what have you got to lose? Some of you got dreams in your heart, but they'll, they'll, they'll be unlived dreams if you don't take a step of faith. If you don't deal with the dog of past failure. You know, even running events in church, man, we ran some pretty cool events. And sometimes people show up, but I've run events where two people showed up. And it was just me and my two mates. Sammy, no mates. And it was like, 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 it was like putting a whole lot of effort, spend money. You know, people can look at things where, where hundreds, if not thousands of people come out now. And in fact, the times after, you know, running those events, inside I was like, don't do that again. That hurts. You get that sick feeling in your gut. You go, I, I did all that for nothing. You know, maybe this leadership thing isn't my deal. Uh, but, but to see what we're seeing today with churches being planted around the world, I had to deal with this voice that, that would continue. Oh, remember what happened last time. What makes you think it's gonna work this time? Come on, we need to deal with the dog of past failure. You ready for that? How many recognize that dog? How many will say, man, that's a dog that's been barking in my ear. That's a dog that I need to deal with. The dog of past failure. Here's the second dog that you need to deal with. You need to deal with the dog of present insecurity. Present insecure. How many get insecure from time to time? Lift up your hand. Yeah, all those who are a little insecure, I'm just waiting for you. Oh, I don't know if I want to admit that. <laughs> it's like, hey, we all get insecure from time to time. In fact, you know, I grew up shy. I grew up insecure. I was an insecure pastor's kid. In fact, I was so shy as a baby growing up that my mum used to put my pram under the tree away from people. I didn't like being around people. But growing up, I had to realize that, that shyness was not a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5 doesn't talk about love, joy, peace, patience, shyness. It's not there. It's not a, a part of your personality. It comes from your insecurity. And I had to overcome my insecurity to, to walk in God's promise. But some of us are letting our insecurities bark in our ear. And I had to come to a place where the Holy Spirit said to me, Sam, he said, Sam, do you know your insecurities are rooted in pride? Every time you listen to that dog, it's because you got pride in your heart. And some of you go, what? How does that work? Well, here's the deal. Here's how it works. When you're insecure, again, how many get insecure from time to time? Okay. When you're feeling insecure, who are you thinking about? Yourself. All eyes are on you. Yeah, and so, so what I had to do is every time I felt insecure, I had to say, Sam, stop being proud. Because if you're proud, you'll never access God's grace. It's those who are humble. And humility simply means to agree with God. And how many know if God's called you to be awesome, which He has, humility is saying, I'm awesome. Yeah, who are you to downplay 
what God's created you to be. Come on, who are you to think small? You know, people have small dreams. It's often because they've, they've, they've locked God into doing just what, the, they've, they've locked the, their life into what they can do. Yeah, you can't serve a big God and have a small dream. You know, every dream that God places in your heart will be bigger than your capabilities. It'll be beyond you. And it will, it will, you'll need to rely on His strength and His power. And there, there's this dog that comes in our ear and says, what, you? You know, we go, here I am, God, send him, send her. They're more capable, but God wants to use you. And the voice of intimidation comes and it plays on our insecurities. But we in humility need to agree with God. Okay, third thing, third dog, you ready for this? And then we're gonna get the musicians up and then we're gonna pray. And we're going to deal with these dogs. Okay, ready? First dog is the dog of past failure. Second dog is the dog of present insecurity. Third dog is the dog of perceived obstacles. Perceived obstacles. Now, what's in your way right now? What has the ability to stop you? What? Some people go, well, that's big. How many know when it comes to our problems? Yeah, big God, small problem. I'll say that again. Big God, huge God, massive God, ginormous God, incy, wincy problem. How many know God right now is not freaking out over the problems in your life? Over situations that you're going, oh man, never seen that before. Man, Michael Gabriel, come in. <laughs> you know, we need to have a, me- a meeting. That's a big problem. How many know God's not freaking out over a million dollars? Oh, man, that's going to bankrupt heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, just to deal with that one problem there. So, you know, so often we elevate. No, big, huge God, massive God, small problem. God, how big is the God that you serve? Some of you say, don't we serve the same God? Well, no. Not according to how some of us pray. Yeah, some of us, you know, when it comes to our prayer life, we're telling God how big our problem is. It's like, oh man. Yeah, we're telling God that, but we need to tell our problems how big our God is. Come on, big God. And so many people, right, you know, it's like they, they interpret God's character through their circumstance. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going through this hard time. You know, and, and it's almost like they get into this blaming of God. Why am I going through this? What's happening here? What's, you know, how many have ever been in that place before? It's like you're, you're interpreting God's character through your circumstance. No, we need to interpret our, our, our circumstance through God's character. Through God's nature, nothing is too difficult for God. Come on, nothing is too difficult. And we need to believe that we can change our world. Come on, can our family be saved? Yeah. Oh, you know, if my, 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 my dad gave his heart to Jesus, you know, that would be a real miracle. Some people say that. 
It's almost like their salvation wasn't a miracle. How many know there's, there's no degree of salvation? Oh, that person was radically saved. You know, some people, it's almost like they're radically saved. It's like you got there by your own effort. No, you didn't. How many know we're all radically saved? And if He did it for me, He can do it for them. And some of you are going, well, I don't think He ever could get saved. Well, we shared, uh, we shared with my grandparents for 30 years before they got saved. It took some time, but we refused to listen to that voice of, oh, they'll never get saved. They're just stubborn old people. They can't change their ways. But at the age of 80, my parents led my grandparents to Jesus in London and and with tears in their eyes, my grandparents committed their hearts to Jesus. Saying this morning, my 91-year-old grandmother passed away a week ago. Man, I'm so glad that I know where she is today. See, some of us have put obstacles in the way of our family getting saved, but I want to declare over your life that today is a day of salvation, that in the coming season, we're going to see family members, households give their hearts to Jesus. Come on, the hardest cases, I want to declare, they're closer than you think they are if you just believe in God's power. Come on, that's the word I believe. Some of you are like, oh, you've almost given up on some people. Yeah, you've put them in the too hard basket. You're saying, oh God, God, I don't know if you could do that. But God's saying, hey, give me your hardest case. Come on, give me your most difficult case. I can bring a breakthrough in Jesus' name. You know, I love the fact that our young people are just believing it. In fact, my oldest daughter this year has led 15 of her friends from school to Jesus. A, a lot of them in the first 15, you know, and, and God's working in her school, just believes it. Doesn't doubt it, doesn't let anybody else come and project their negativity and the reasons why it can't happen. It just believes it. God said it is going to happen. And that's why we're seeing thousands of people show up at our uprising. It's simply because we've just got a people who refuse to listen to the voice of those dogs and say, we're going to believe. Do you know your greatest work right now is just to believe. Just to believe. If God said it, I believe it and He'll do it in Jesus' Name. See, some of us, are, we're tuned into the voices of others, but we need to tune into the voice of God. We need to tune in and turn it up. And we need to tune out and turn it down to the sound of those dogs. Some of us, it's like the audience in our head. You know, the voices in our head that speak to us when we're about to venture out in faith, when we're about to step out into the unknown, they're too loud. And God wants to silence those voices. He wants you to overcome those giants. Like I said, David. In fact, Goliath. He personified how the spirit of intimidation works. And some of us need to cut off Goliath's head tonight because our lives have been dictated for too long. And we need to say, I'm going to live by God's Word in Jesus' name. If we could have the musicians up right now. I love 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. It says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear or timidity, 
but He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Come on, can we all say that? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. Come on, what has God given you? He's given you a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Some of you, you've lived in a place where you've been double-minded. Double-minded in this is when you, when you question what God's said to do. The best thing you can do if God's spoken to you is just step out on it. Step out on that Word and trust God. You know, there's too many people wavering. Love Abraham, the father of faith. He didn't waver when it came into the promise of God. The Bible says, in hope, against hope, he believed. Come on, get that? In hope, against hope, against all odds. Sarah's womb was as good as dead. In hope, against hope. What did he do? He believed. Some of us right now, we're in hope, against all odds. We just need to believe in Jesus' Name. Come on, church down here. You know, people say, well, things that you're believing for haven't been done before. Well, I don't care whether they've been done before. Come on, we're just gonna believe what God's saying. In hope, against all the voices, against, we're gonna believe in the Word of God in Jesus' Name. How about standing to your feet right now? We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equippuschurch.com.